This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's time to think about getting back in shape. Now, many of us would be doing this already in any given year. The beautiful weather is here and we'd be emerging from hibernation and peeling off layers and we are starting to reopen. So all of that is even more true this COVID season. According to a recent Leger poll, nearly 40% of Canadians have gained weight. During all this lockdown, more than a third are exercising less, 16% are drinking more booze, and 9% smoking more weed. And that's since the beginning of the pandemic. So what about you? Have you kept on track? Are you thinking of getting on track? You know, all we need is your first name. Uh, let us know. I'll be happy to fess up the numbers 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And now to help us get on track, we have health and wellness expert Rose Reisman, Lisa Covens from Leger and Dr. Steve Jordans, who is a psychology pre- professor from the University of Toronto. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Fine. Okay, let's begin with you, Rose. Have you started to get um, requests or, or calls or orders uh, about getting back into shape? Yeah, yeah. And in terms of our business, our, our personal gourmet, which is individual meals and meal kits, have, have absolutely increased. I think people are now realizing they have to go outside, and a lot of people have some body shame, which is never a good thing, but everybody's been hibernating for a year and a half, so they're starting to come out. And even through Instagram, I see that people are really latching on to recipes in a way they didn't during the winter. Hmm. Yeah, and it, you're saying people are going outside, and I'm, I'm seeing stories about people uh, getting back into actual clothes, as not oh. sweatpants or other things with an elastic waist. Yeah, it's a little depressing for people right now. You know, we all knew it. I mean, you know, Zoom or not, you're from the waist up, so you could wear your pajama bottoms. And most people did. I, I know most of my friends didn't put on, women didn't put on a skirt or a dress for the last year and a half. Uh, um, and still haven't, and may still I have. say. And and one thing that I've always found, Libby, that keeps me honest is I keep pulling on the pants that have a zipper and, and a button just to make sure. I may not be, you know, on the scale much, but I, I kind of know by my clothes. And it's really hard, though, when you're stuck at home. Well, yeah, and watching. the other thing, hey, I found this is that I didn't really have access to scales because I usually weigh myself at the gym. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, who knew? <laughs> Which yeah. is and, and in hindsight now, I think we all say, oh, I wish I would have been. And get better track of it because we all know two to three pounds is easy. Once you're over five ten, it gets really tough. And when you think forty percent have gained at least sixteen pounds, it's not so much, but it's a challenge and an effort to take off. Oh sure. my God, it's enough, Lisa. Um, were you surprised by any of these findings? 
No, I mean, I wasn't. You know, you hear people complaining or people joking about it when you're Zoom calls about, you know, how they're, they've got their dad bod or that, you know, they need to, to get out exercising. So I wasn't really surprised. The 16 pounds was maybe a little bit higher than I would have thought people had gained. Although, um, you know, I did have one colleague say he'd gained 40 pounds. What? Wow. <laughs> shocked by that. Poor guy. Um, I guess, like, really depends if you're using to the gym or now you're home and, you know, you're baking more. That was a big craze. Like, yeah. it, it, it all accumulates. So... So let's run that number again. Six, how many people said they gained 16 pounds or more? A nice odd number. Yeah, about 40%. So, wow. Yeah, it was 39%. And, yeah. and it's what's <clears throat> even more um, troubling is that 18 to 34 crowd, uh, 43% of them said that they gained weight wow. during the pandemic. Oh, well, the, so. uh, you know, I, I stand corrected because I thought it was 39% of people saying they gained weight, period. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah. No, it is 39, but if you look at just 18 to 34-year-olds, the younger crew, they it was 43% of them. Wow. Is, is that sort of uh, uh, Dr. Jordan's? Would that just be the equivalent of the uh, they ha- the Frosh 15 yeah. that they didn't have a chance? to? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very normal response. Like when we talk about anxiety, we talk about the fight or flee kind of mode. And a lot of us have been anxious. Um, the other mode that we're in is called rest and digest. And when you do things like eat or deep breathing, you are actually promoting that sort of mode of your body. So in a way, eating is not a bad way to, to relax. However, it's all about what you eat, right? And if it were the right foods and the nutritious foods, but when it is things like that baking craze, uh, that, that combination of feeling a need to eat to relax and eating the wrong food is, is where it gets you there. Okay, I want to give the numbers out again. Now, I have to say, there were a, a couple of people who called and, and maybe got the jitters. Uh, they don't want to be outed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, there is no judgment here. Uh, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, we're talking about what happened over the course of all these lockdowns in terms of your eating habits, exercise habits, are you drinking more, smoking a little more weed? Like, uh, and, uh, what do you think? How do you, uh, how do you, how are you going to get on track? If you are going to get on track, uh, do you think it's going to be hard? Do you think it's going to be easy? We'd really, uh, love to hear your take. Um, Rose, from your experience, what's the hardest aspect of it? I think, first of all, our, our mental state is starting to change. So that that's a good thing. We're getting more positive. We're hearing things are opening. When we're more positive, we can go on and, and take on these challenges. I think the hardest thing for people is it's not going to happen overnight. So please, I beg people, don't go on extreme diets. Go slowly. Make yourself a, a goal. Set a goal of what you'd like to lose. Um, start doing something physically every day because the weather is gorgeous now. You can get outside. Um, and, and we've got fresh produce around us like, like crazy. It's not the winter anymore where we have to spend a fortune on food. So just be very positive because there's a lot of great things coming up. And I think if we're in that mode, it, it doesn't take us back to where we were for the last year and a half. 
Lisa Covens, one of the things I found very interesting in your poll is that uh, the Americans fared better, fewer gaining weight, fewer drinking uh, more, fewer smoking more pot. And my first thought was, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they've also been less locked down than we yeah. have. So it's it's different reality. Um quite a different like everyday life there in terms of just being able to get out to go to the gym. I'm not sure that they ever had that taken away from them in the way that we did. So um, I'm not necessarily surprised that the numbers aren't as extreme in the U.S. because of that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I figured that that probably was it. Steve Jordan's with all of these things, um, when do you know that you have a problem and or just as opposed to just, well, I'm having one more drink a day. I'm just going to stop. Ah, so, so on, on the uh, substance issues. Yeah. I mean, this to a large extent, I think this has reflected essentially what we call self-medication. You know, people have been having trouble sleeping um, and, and such. And so they have a couple of extra drinks and they feel like they can drift off easier. or They have that joint just before bed to, to drift off. And so I'm hoping that with some of the lifting of the anxiety, the positive mood state we've been talking about, there will be a natural inclination to, to not feel the need uh, for those drinks. But I think what people should do is just, um, as, as was described, think of the lifestyle kind of approach. You know, don't go on a crash diet, but just look at some of the things you're doing that maybe you're doing more than you need to. And if you can just cut back and say, okay, from now on, you know, I'm just going to reduce these things a little bit and I'm willing to wait a few weeks or months for the pounds to come off if I can sustain that going forward. And and that's the better mindset to have with respect to it. Okay. Um, again, I'm saying, hey, people, <laughs> let us know where you are at on this and maybe you are doing fine and you have tips for the rest of us. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I am talking to psychologist Dr. Steve Jordans, Rose Reisman, a fitness and wellness and food expert, and Lisa Covens from Leger Polling. Um, Lisa, you know, I was sort of joking before. I said I thought the Americans were lying. Uh, do people generally um, tell the truth uh, when you approach them? Yeah, we we believe they do. And what we, you know, our sort of benchmark for knowing that is our uh, success with election polling predictions. Um, so we've been closer to the pin uh, on election data, and that's really the only way uh, we as market researchers can be tested on our skills and tested on, uh, you know, the strength of our panels and, and how people, we can actually map how they behave to how they said they would behave. Um, and that, you know, that's the only only way we can really double check. So we are pretty confident that people are telling the truth um, when they're answering a survey. We also feel like, you know, with online surveys, and that's really what people do now, um, it's like, you know, almost like looking in a mirror, like you're kind of judging yourself. I think people are being a little bit more honest. When we used to have to do everything on telephone, you may have felt that somebody was judging you when you were talking to them. So you may have answered slightly differently. Um, on topics like this, like weight gain and uh, 
drinking more and et cetera, you, you might have felt that judgment from the other person or perceived it there to be judgment. But, but online, it just doesn't exist. People are quite quite honest. And you you also found that, that people want to take a gradual approach to reopening and everything else around it. Yeah, yeah. So 69% of Canadians said no to uh, lifting all to the government lifting all restrictions. Uh, so they're a little bit more prudent, a little more careful regarding the, the lifting of restrictions. Uh, again, you know, compared to the U.S., they're, they're obviously way more willing for their government to lift all restrictions. Um, yeah, the, a little bit more hesitant. I think people are waiting for the end of the vaccination campaigns to be done for people to be uh double vaccinated uh, in higher numbers than they currently are. Um, Yeah, just a little more careful, not willing to rip the Band-Aid off just yet. Rose, does the caution about reopening play into the, um, you know, getting back into shape and and back into a healthier lifestyle? Um, I I think it does. I, I noticed, you know, even getting together with friends now, outdoors or indoors in a small number, um, people are still scared, so they're holding back, so they're still relying on their old behaviors, remember, which is a real comfort. You know, by saying, oh my God, everything's open, I can sort of be totally normal now is scary for people that have, you know, been stressed, put on weight, not moving, because now they have to actually do something about it. So in some ways, it's, it's, I think it's become a bit of a crutch for people, and they've almost learned to like this style of living, even though, you know, I find it so negative. But it's a crutch for people. At least they know what to expect, so there's a lot of fear-mongering going on as well. So it gives you another reason that you don't have to get back to normal yet. Uh, let's take a call from Jane in Scarborough. Hi, Jane. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, I just want to weigh in on this. My doctor back in March had sent me for some blood tests, and then one of the blood tests, when I read up what it was, I went, oh, my gosh. And she had told, I had told my husband, I said, I'm going to stop drinking because of the blood test. And then she told me to adopt a Mediterranean style of eating, and I found it so easy and so liberating that I wasn't on junk food. I wasn't on processed food. I wasn't going to fast food anymore. Um, I cut out the alcohol, which I was worried would be a problem. Wasn't at all, although I do drink Budweiser Zero because it's zero <laughs> sugar, zero alcohol, but it tastes like Bud, so I can still have one. And I found it very liberating, and I'm now down uh, 18 pounds wow. since March without doing anything other than eating wholesome food, uh, fresh fruits, vegetables, chicken, fish, and getting rid of the garbage. And I feel... Were, sorry, so were you better. eating a lot of junk food? Oh, I was a fast food junkie. Oh, oh, man, McDonald's and Burger King and all of them, they were my favorites. And yeah, eating potato chips and, and I didn't eat candy, but potato chips, popcorn, um, you know, that kind of, I was big on bread. And now I'm more onto the vegetables and trying to eliminate completely processed foods. So and it's amazing. Can I, can I add in there, Jane? I'm I'm like. So 
so incredibly proud of you because that is the number one diet in the world. Thank you. And if you go on to just look up the Mediterranean Guide, you'll see it's such an easy pyramid to look at. And what you're doing is, is fantastic. It will keep you healthy. It will keep your weight. And you don't even have to measure your No, you don't. The way we do. And that's very much like the new Canada's Food Guide, which has come out. So good for you. I think that's incredible. Uh, Thank J- you. Jane, before mm-hmm. we let you go, I have a question. You said you quit drinking. Was that difficult? No, surprisingly, it really, really wasn't. Um, I switched over. I bought a soda stream, and so I switched over yeah. to uh, the so- Perrier and soda water. And honestly, I don't even miss it. We have we had some some um, our my sister in law and brother in law over, and my husband and my brother in law were drinking, and it was no big deal for me. I didn't really care. I didn't miss the wine that they were having at dinner. Um, I didn't miss the beers they were having while playing euchre. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's surprisingly been easy and very liberating that, you know, I feel so much better. I've lost weight. My clothes are fitting better. In fact, some are getting big. I'm a Weight Watcher lifetime member who seriously fell off the wagon. And I don't, like she said, I don't have to count. I don't have to measure. I don't have to do anything. It's just, it's come off. 18 pounds, gone. Jane. Congratulations. Good for you, and thanks for your call. Thank you. Have a good day. Stay safe. Okay. And if I may jump in there real quickly, Libby, um, just, just to mention that often when we think about giving up something like drinking, we think about the positive it gives us and, and not having that positive, whatever that may be. But quite often it, it gives us negatives too. It interferes with our sleep maybe. It gives us headaches in the morning. There's the weight gain. There's the whatever. And sometimes when we abstain from something like that, we underestimate the bent, the positives that we feel, how much better we actually feel from not engaging in that. And that's what I hear in Jane's story is that, you know, oh, this should be hard. But once she went into it a few days, it's like, I actually feel great. And, uh, and that can really make it easy to, to do a behavior change now and then. And uh, in your practice, have you found, are there a lot of people who find it easy and, and liberating or do most people find it difficult? Um, that, if, if that's for me, I'll be clear. I'm not a clinical psychologist, mm. so so I don't uh, practice around that. But if it's for the nutritionist, she might have an answer to that question. Rose, I'm sorry. Say that again. Uh, Dude, how many people? Uh, how common is it to find all of this easy, like Jane did? Very uncommon. <laughs> I, that's why I said a poster child. I mean, she sounded incredible, like something turned on in her brain. For most people, it's, oh, this is hard work. And then they start to see the results and they yeah. say to themselves, you know what, it's worth it, but it's a challenge. I, look, at this is my life and I find it a challenge every day to try to do as, as best I can in eating and exercise. So it is a challenge for most people, but I can only tell them the payoff is huge. What about people, uh, and um, uh, uh, I uh, ran into someone like this, someone who was doing a fabulous job, lost a great deal of weight before this, and uh, gained much of it back. So people in that position, is it different for them than somebody who, you know, packed it on basically for the first time or a little more than before? Oh, if you're asking me, absolutely. Yeah. That's a cycle of dieting, and um, it's it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And most people go about it the wrong way because they want to lose it quickly. And once you've lost it like that, you're slowing your metabolism down. So next time around, it even gets more challenging to lose. And then ultimately, you pack it in. It's just too hard. 
So I, if I could just beg people to do it slowly, settle with a couple pounds a week, nothing drastic, include all the food groups, eat well, eat Mediterranean, and, and just keep giving yourself self-talk that, you know what, this is working, I have to be patient. Yeah, and, and, and don't give yourself something, something you can't manage. So, for example, some people jump in and say, I'm going to exercise three times a week. Right. And, you know, they just don't have that fit in their life. They don't really have the time to do that three times a week. It would be better to say, I'm going to exercise twice a week when I can um, and stick to that. You know, something you really seriously think can become a lifestyle for you going forward. If, if it's so extreme that you could not live this way uh, for long term, then you shouldn't be making that extreme of a change. Lisa, you were always, you were, sorry, you were also asking of the people about the future and the post-pandemic period and how their behaviors would change. Uh, what did you get on that note? Yeah, I, I would say that people are really optimistic. So 59% are saying that they're optimistic about the coming year. Great. Um, even higher among younger people. Um, and they are planning to increase exercise. So 36% said they're planning to increase. Uh, they're planning to lose weight, 35%. <laughs> Only 9% said they're planning to gain weight. Um, they're planning to decrease alcohol, decrease um, their use of cannabis. So all of those behaviors that they said happened uh, over the course of the last year and a bit um, their plan, their expectations and their plans are to kind of turn that around for the future. And they're optimistic about it. So, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, we keep surveying people every few weeks. Hopefully we'll see that in a, a couple of months from now that they actually say they did follow through on those, uh, plans. Okay. Let's take a couple of calls. We've got Linda in Toronto. Hi, Linda. Hi. Um, Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. So um, I am a cancer survivor, thyroid cancer, and about this happened in 2014. So about, for the first five years, um, keep maintaining the weight was, was okay because I was on a high dosage of uh, the Synthroid. Yep. And after the five years, they decreased it, um, making me to like a more normal level. But, it's, it, but not having that thyroid and the medication changes, it's very, very difficult trying to maintain my weight. I'm really struggling with it. Is there any um, comments that or any feedback? Uh, Rose? Yeah, I think the, the key for you, I'm not sure what you're eating, but you, you want high caloric, healthy fats. Uh, you want lean protein. You want good carbs. So I would take a look carefully at what you are eating. I mean, you don't want anything that's low fat. Um, but you you start indulging on avocados and nuts. You you, you can make, you can gain weight on those, and it's it's great. It's also muscle mass for you. Just, just a minute. No, she's having trouble maintaining. You want to, Linda? You want to lose weight. weight? Yeah, I want to lose weight. No, because... she wants to lose weight. Oh, I thought you said gain weight. I'm no, no, no. That. So what you want to do is make sure what you are eating right now, and and take a look right down exactly what you're eating. Look at it over a day or two. You feel free to send it to me if you'd like. And and I could tell you immediately where you're adding in unnecessary calories. Okay. Okay. Would I be able to email you? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you can look up Rose's yeah, email. Look up Rose Reisman or just on my Instagram. Please okay. feel free. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you, Rose. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Sita in Mississauga. Hi, Sita. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. You guys are discussing great topics. Go, go ahead. 
I don't believe in dieting because that only lasts for a while and people will gain back that weight. It's all about willpower. So I think people should eat in moderation, enjoy that bite, a few chips, a drink, and just enjoy it, but don't go over excess and make it healthy as possible. And have you uh, maintained your weight to, or have you put on weight during lockdown or you're oh all gosh, good? I am 60 going 60 plus and I've never gone over 115 pounds. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I still can fit into my clothes the man I was working 20 years ago. That sounds great. Yes, and I try not to overeat before bedtime, um, drink with water, take your grain. Omega is very healthy. Um, you feel, I find that if you try not to eat that stuff, you tend to overindulge after. Yeah. It's so uh, it's it. it's like the floodgates are open. Sita, thanks for that, and, and uh, great. You're doing great. And everyone, stay healthy. It helps. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, uh, Steve. Maybe you have a comment on this. That one thing I noticed that if if you're drinking, it loosens your inhibitions about eating. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, drinking loosens your inhibition about everything, right? She said willpower. Yeah, your your frontal lobes are what controls what you do and what you don't do, and that when you drink alcohol that starts stops working pretty uh, pretty quickly. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention quickly, and we heard it, for example, in Jane's um, description, one of the things you can do if there's something in your life that you wish you were doing less of is to find something you wish you were doing more of. So Jane, for example, mentioned the sparkling water. If you can find an alternative that you actually find attractive, and then rather than telling yourself, stop drinking beer, you tell yourself, drink more, drink more of that soda water. Try to have three or four soda waters, um, you know, throughout the course of the day or something like that. You won't crave the beer as much because the soda water will kind of take the place of it. Uh, and so when you can find these positives and instead of focusing on getting rid of the negative, you focus on enhancing or increasing your access to the positive, then that's often a very effective way to build a new habit. And that can be sustained much better. You know, she said it's about willpower. I would say it's about habit, uh, building new habits that you can sustain going forward. That sounds like good advice. We're running out of time. So, uh, Lisa Covens, what would you like to leave us with? Yeah, I would say just, you know, be excited about the future. Be be optimistic. You know, embrace all of these these good changes that people are saying they're, they're going to embrace. But, um, yeah. That, that's pretty much it. Hopefully it all pans out. Hopefully people stick to what they think they'll, they'll do in the future. Rose? Uh, seize the moment. It's looking really good out there today. The weather's perfect. Food <laughs> is so accessible. That's your best thing to start living a healthier lifestyle. And Steve? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, just get out there and start living once you feel comfortable doing it, because we've been so sedentary. Just our normal lives, we move so much more than we did. So as we go back to that, we'll have a whole lot more natural activity that will help us with with any behavior change we want to do. Right. Thank you so much, Dr. Steve Jordans, Rose Reisman, and Lisa Covens. We appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thank you, Libby. Thank you.
Thanks. Thank you. And uh, speaking of getting ready and going forward and enjoying and getting out there, that's what we're going to be talking about after the break. We got confirmation today that stage two will happen a couple of days early. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? We will start with uh, some business owners for things that we are dying to do again when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Well, just like we heard in the commercial. Welcome back. And now it's official. The province will enter stage two of reopening two days early next Wednesday, June the 30th. And it's true, a lot of people cannot wait for hair appointments and mani petties. And those businesses that have been shuttered for months really need some revenue. But is this helpful or just does it add unnecessary stress to proprietors who are scrambling to get staff and supplies to reopen. And what do you think? Uh, I'd also like to know what's the first thing you're going to do, you know, once you get an appointment. Uh, and these things are uh, more reopened 416 360 toll free 1 866 740 And now I'd like to welcome. Perry Tuccheroni with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada, and Annette Palumbo, who is the Operations Director for Hand and Stone Massage and Facial Spa, which is a chain with 32 locations in Ontario. She's also Executive Director of Beauty United. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you. Thank you very much, Libby. Thank you, Libby, for having us. Okay, let us begin with Annette. So first of all, your reaction to two days early, is is that a good thing or is that just uh, added stress? I guess uh, it will be added stress, but we're very grateful for an actual date to reopen. So although some people are scrambling to get their staff back a couple of days earlier um, and to make arrangements, we knew that July the 2nd was going to be the date, um, but it is making it difficult and it is putting stress on people that are trying to get their staff and their clients accommodated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of clients have already been in touch and they wanted to get in as soon as possible. And and some of them, you know, not going to manage doing that. So, but it's not necessarily that easy to move them over as early, right? No, not at all. Uh, Scheduling happens to be something that I do all the time. And it is a very, very, very delicate thing to be working with, especially when you have to say to your staff over a long weekend, they weren't intending to come back to work till after the holiday. So now they might have to rearrange their plans to be able to accommodate coming back to work earlier. And also with regards to people that are parents and, and situations as those that need to make exceptional rules for that too. Well, that's... Uh, uh, well, uh, Perry, um, it, the situation is is a bit dis- different for the fitness industry. Uh, you can do outdoor classes, uh, but um, what do you make of the stage two reopening for your business? It, it, we are grateful as well. It's a movement in the right direction. Uh, for the fitness industry itself, it does help a lot. They, what they've done, they've increased the outdoor capacity to 25 people. 
But the majority of the health clubs, it doesn't help a lot because, you know, it helps the trainers and instructors. Some of the clubs are close by to a park or have access to their parking lot. So there's a lot of work involved in that as well, too, by, you know, moving gear inside and outside. So it is appreciated. It's helpful. Uh, we, you know, we're really pushing to hopefully get moved into uh, step two. And that's even having our discussions that we should be the same classification as uh, non-essential retail, which is step two is 25%. Because indoor fitness is still not until step three. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are also people who are calling for uh, step three to be moved way up because they're saying we've exceeded or we are exceeding vaccination targets. Is, is that something you'd like to see, Perry? 100%. Uh, we really believe we should move up, uh, like, see step three moved ahead. We've hit our uh, our targets for inoculations and the percentage of uh, people vaccinated. Uh, and we, you know, we are, you know, we work with the uh, uh, international or the CFIB, and they have that same take. We work together on that and just trying to get the government to move things forward a little bit faster for us. And the other challenge we have, they have not identified, the government has not identified what restrictions will be, you know, will be there for the, the fitness industry. Once we are in step three, that's still you know, open for discussion. Uh, we, we really care about being safe and operating safely. And we take all the steps to do that. The, the, the fitness clubs have spent thousands and thousands of dollars for PPE, uh, you know, just, to, you know, sanitization equipment or uh, tools that keep their members safe. And we, our statistics over the past, you know, 15 months, then when we, the few times we've been open, we've had like in Ontario, like 15 million check-ins with zero transmissions. There have been a couple instances. So it's, we really want to see if we can get that moved up and we want the clarification on the restrictions because there isn't any right now. And, you know, we, in step three, if we're at 50 percent, we'd be happy. We think we should be at 25%, like 90 cents of retail in step two. But we, that's still to be determined in our industry. Okay. Annette, um, in, in terms of your industry, do you, we know that a lot of people have, you know, changed careers, uh, got different jobs. Uh, do you have uh, any clue about the level of, uh, of attrition there is? Well, I think that we've lost at least a majority of 40% of the businesses in Ontario. Um, the issue with step two or step three is the mask-friendly services is not what the clients are requiring. We still have a big sector of estheticians and skincare people that cannot work because they can't do a facial. They cannot take care of skincare, and a lot of that is not just a beauty, it's health issues. So, yes, a lot of people have said, I'm going to go back to school. Uh, they've moved out of the province. Uh, they're not coming back. It, it has been certainly very, very difficult. Even now that we're reopening, everybody's shuffling to look for people to work because a lot of them were forced over all these months, too, to go underground, and now they won't go back to a formal brick-and-mortar salon or spa. Why, because so, they're doing better in the uh, underground? Is that it? Obviously so. But that's causing more hits and more sort of more issues for for our health issues, for the COVID issues. But now it's turned into an issue of, do I really want to go back to a brick and mortar or do I just freelance? Well, um, it, I, I'm curious about, Perry, whether the same thing is, is happening in his industry, certainly with personal trainers. And um, my understanding of this is that with most of the underground things, people have been paying a big 
premium. I'm not sure they're going to want to continue doing that. Perry? Well, that's, uh, and really next that it, it follows suit in the fitness industry as well. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, underground training on some, you know, a lot of fitness clubs have opened you know, the, I think we saw it last month, the Disability Act, where you can, you know, let people in if they have disabilities, doesn't matter, and doesn't have to anxiety, mental or physical. And they've kind of expanded upon that and let people, more people come in. And then a lot of the trainers have been doing training on their own. A lot of the group exercises you see in the parks in Toronto are private trainers and private instructors doing it on their own. And and they are going down the road a lot of them are becoming uh, their own private entrepreneurs, some legit, some underground. But there's a big, there's a, there has been a groundswell in our industry of underground training going on in facilities, in people's homes, in parks. And a big challenge to bring a lot of these staff back when the clubs open because it's the same thing. You know, some went back to school, some started their own business, some, you know, you know, some are just going to take a break. And so there's multiple reasons that they're not coming back. So a big challenge would be hiring staff back and trainers back uh, when we reopen. It, it, it's uh, interesting. Uh, yesterday when I got home, my, my husband was on a bike ride and he, he was agog. He said, I saw this guy uh, on a little street off Young Street cutting hair uh, and he was busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and he is certainly not the only one. He was doing it outside, but um, uh, where I guess it's less, there's less risk than if it's inside. But I, I've heard from hairdressers, especially, that this is an issue. It definitely is, Libby. You cannot cut and color hair outside or use electrical equipment. Um, I, I have no idea. how. I ran a salon for 30 years. Uh, when we had all those power outages, when there was uh, issues, oh my gosh, we couldn't even get through the day. We had candles, we had to rent generators. And even at that, it was difficult to do those services outside. Sure, a mani-pedi you could do outside, no problem. But you still, it's still a sanitation issue that's not being addressed and it needs to be addressed. If we're going to stay safe, and we're going to try to operate safely, outside is not an answer. Okay, let's take a call from Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. I'm all excited. My hairdresser finally called back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, as soon as I heard, I, Sarah, I need to come in. I, it usually looks like a lion if I'm not there. Now you're going to have the whole floor covered. So... I'm excited. <laughs> well, you and everybody else is saying I have to come in. <laughs> well, the other thing is I have a very large garden and all kinds of animals are having fun there. One of my friends said that they're afraid of the smell of humans. So I'm taking that hair home and putting it where all my animals come in. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about that. No comment on that. So when is your appointment, Helen? Uh, the salon opens on Wednesday. I got three o'clock. Wow, on first day. Good for you. You are a lucky woman. Hey, listen, I don't wait. <laughs> I should call right away because it is awful. I mean, when I curl it, it's good for like an hour. <laughs> then, then it's a mess again. So, Okay, Helen, thanks for that. Take care. Bye. And you know, I know, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but let's say a number of of friends of mine, women who have let their hair go gray. 
And some of them are going to keep it like that. And it looks great on some people. So a few changes because of this. Right now, we are going to take a break. We are going to talk, continue talking to our business owners. And we'll also bring in Rocco Rossi from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce on the other side of the break. Let me give you the numbers. Still want to hear what you are anxious to get back at. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. Who needs a Manny Petty? I do. When we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Louise Nimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking to Perry Tuccheroni from the fitness industry, Annette Palumbo from, uh, Sto- uh, from the Stone Massage and Facial Spa. And I'd like to bring in Rocco Rossi, who is the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Hi, Rocco. Hey, Libby. How are you doing? Uh, fine. How are you? Uh, a little, a little better. Every bit is uh, is helpful, but uh, you know, not not as much as I'd hoped. Well, exactly. You know, we've heard from Annette and others. So, opening two days early, one day before a holiday, just makes it very hard to get staff in earlier. And then there's the whole issue of of, of booking people. So, uh, your take, Rocco, is is it a gift or is it a pain? <laughs> Look, it, it, there's no doubt all of this is painful. Uh, there is nothing fair about COVID, period. Um, I will say that at least this time, unlike some earlier uh, ones, there are several days. It's not to say it's easy at all, um, but, um, but they have given more, uh, more warning than in the past. I just think that, you know, Ontarians have... Uh, been doing their part. We've been uh, rolling up our sleeves and um, healthcare workers, pharmacists, volunteers, and logistics people have been doing an incredible job putting up record numbers in the pace of vaccination. Uh, I mean, yesterday, over 220,000 uh, alone, which to put it in some context would be 5 million in a day in the U.S., which they never reach. So uh, Ontarians are, are doing it, and the reward for that should be more and more of their lives and their ability to earn a livelihood uh, returned um, to them. So we've effectively reached the numbers that in the government's own plan would represent uh, stage three. Uh, and we know, and and look, we 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 want to support public health. We know there's the Delta variants, but um, and and so you know there, there's a bit there's a bit more time, and that has to be watched. But hospitalizations, ICU use, the vaccination, everything is going in the right direction, and uh, we hope that this couple of day acceleration will will continue that governments will continue to to look at the incredible work being done by Ontarians and Ontarians will continue to do that work uh to push for that acceleration of the of the third stage and beyond 
Uh, let me give the numbers, <clears throat> excuse me, out again, people. Still want to hear what you are excited about getting back to. What's the first thing you want? Uh, I bet with a lot of people, it's hair. Uh, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Annette, as far as you know, I mean, are are people going to be working on Canada Day because suddenly they can? Or is it just one day and then one day off that, you know, again, is complicating things? It's a mixed bag, but I believe that a lot of people will be working July 1st. Once they open, they're going to open and stay open. So I've heard a lot of people saying they're actually going to start on July, on June 30th and go right through. And some people will open, close on July 1st, go back in. It depends on the arrangements that they've made with their staff, but I'm sure everyone is anxious to work. So they will do whatever it takes. Uh, Rocco, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't looked at the Retail Holiday Business Act. Is, are, are people actually allowed to be open on Canada Day? People are going to be open. What, uh, what they do in the arrangements around, uh, around payment, et cetera, is, uh, you know, whether, um, uh, whether following statutory law or whether they they have other collective agreements with uh, uh, with their workers in some uh, in some establishments, but uh, I, I agree. I think people are going to grab at the glimmer of light that they're seeing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, no business gets into business wanting to survive on government supports. They're there because they're proud of the good or service that they provide and they want the cash register to ring. And, uh, and for way too many businesses, that's not been allowed to happen for a very long time. And even now it's reopening, but it's a, it's a dimmer switch. It's not an on off switch. And so, um, people will try to maximize as much as they're, as they're able to. Um, and they're counting on all of us as consumers to, uh, to support local, to dine local, to celebrate local. Uh, and if we do that and the government does what it needs to do, which is actually to double down on the supports um, and to match the supports to the pace of the reopening, because, again, you call it reopening, it's not full. A so-called non-essential retailer can only open up to 25% capacity. That's not going to pay all of the bills. So support is still going to be needed. Well, wait a minute. I just looked up, looked it up, and and uh, Canada Day is an official holiday, I guess, unless you're in a tourist. Uh, it, it is a holiday, but then you can you can pay uh, premiums uh, on uh, on salary, like uh, you know, oh. double time, time and a half, depending on the arrangements. Oh, okay, but you're not going to get shut down. Uh, I don't think you're going to see many people shutting down if they have the opportunity to do some business. Okay. Uh, Perry, how does that affect uh, your industry uh, in terms of having one day and then Canada Day? Uh, well, we're closed. We're in step three for indoor yeah. fitness. It's, it's a very small percentage uh, that are uh, that have the uh, ability to, do, to provide outdoor fitness, uh, but the fitness industry is a service, so they they can be they can be open 365 days a year. They just pay, as Rocco alluded to, a premium on the on their payroll, things along that nature. But I'd like to add one thing to what Rocco mentioned about you know the costs. 
And we are appreciative of all the support that's been by the federal government and also the provincial government. But with the, you know, things like, you know, with, it, with indoor fitness and, uh, you know, also like, you know, indoor dining for restaurants and Rocco can probably talk about a lot more industry than I can. He's, you know, a lot more in tune to that. Well, the federal, uh, relief of rent relief and also, um, wage relief, it ends in September, but people don't realize starting July, it starts to wind down. So you're not getting yeah. as much as you used to and people are going to have back rent to pay. And so if in the fitness industry for specifically, we can't even open right now until July 21st. So the subsidy is already being reduced and we haven't even opened yet. And we haven't had the ability to have curbside pickup or, you know, you know, or a patio dining. So the government's both uh, the federal and the provincial, nice and provincial to extend another uh, subsidy to the fitness industry uh, or to all industry, actually. And right now, I know there's a lot of lobbying going on to extend the uh, the wage and the rent relief to the end of the year. Hopefully that happens. Well, and then there's also this issue, Annette, is that, okay, people are opening up and, and maybe they can catch up with their current expenses, but a lot of people have taken on all this debt. Yes. As a matter of fact, there's people that are up to $200,000 in debt uh, with all the loans that were given. We're far, far, far from actually finishing our work with regards to relief funding. And I echo what both gentlemen said, we all these programs are winding down and we're at a long road ahead for recovery. So there's definitely no way that these programs cannot continue and that the government doesn't ensure that they're investing in our future for training and for relief to assure that we can actually stay open. People have mortgaged their houses, they've lost properties, they're destitute, and they're holding on by the skin of their teeth. They have just paid, or some of them haven't. They have eviction notices posted outside of their windows. So this is there's a long road ahead of us. This is just the beginning to give people the hope that they can actually open up their own business and work. So I think we have a lot of a lot of a lot of work ahead of us. And and Annette, uh, one of the things that I heard when we had that brief reopening last time was, okay, there's a big, huge flurry for the first couple of weeks, but then it dies down. And then suddenly everybody's had their haircut at, at the same time. So, you know, that doesn't really help the flow, if you know what I mean. Yes, and it's a double-edged sword because when those numbers soar up, then they don't qualify for all the recovery programs that have been set out by the government. So those figures were blown are blown up because they all rush at one time. And then when they go to put in their application, it actually has been rejected because they made too much money. They're, the actual programs we've tried to reach out to and had assistance with small business uh, ministry to say, listen, these people didn't qualify, but you need to give, you need to open this up. You need to restructure it. You need to give them what they need so that they can stay in business. All of us, small business, medium, large, we're employing people in this province. We are actually making work for people. So to not give us the access to the programs and the way they should be applied is a very, very, very dangerous thing at this point. And I do, as I said before, I echo what both the gentlemen said. But it's a long road to recovery, and we need to make sure that the government stays on our page and knows that one month or two months, and God forbid we get closed again, 
we're just putting nails in people's coffins. We're not getting anywhere. We need to move forward and understand that there is a recovery and the people from all these industries need to be involved and engage with the government so that we can be part of the solution and part of a recovery committee. And uh, Rocco, uh, do you have anything to say about that? There's a reopening, uh, there's a flurry of business, and, and then, especially depending on what it is, it dies down. Well, look, at the, there is some some pent-up, but um, as well, there's going to be some people who the confidence is not 100% there, uh, so they won't immediately come out. So hopefully... Uh, that 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 will help in a bit of the smoothing, but the the points that have been raised are are crucial. This is not an on off switch; it's a dimmer switch. We have to tailor the supports and and how they are reduced in conjunction with how businesses are able to to reopen to full operation because they don't go to from zero to a hundred right away. Um, and the supports, therefore, should not go from 100 to zero right away. Um, all along, governments at all levels have said, we've got your back. And the bottom line is that tens of thousands of businesses in Ontario are permanently closed already, have gone bankrupt in this period. So for them, they did not have their back. And how many more close permanently is going to depend on two things. One, what governments do on the supports to really um, really align with how the reopening happens. That includes things like, you know, doubling down another round of the small business. Sorry, uh, Rocco, right. we've got like 20 seconds oh, left. <laughs> sure. And, and, and two, consumers doing our part and buying local and supporting our local businesses. Okay, on that note, thank you so much, Rocco Rossi, Perry Tuccheroni, and Annette Palumbo. And good luck with the reopening. Thank you so much, Libby. Thank you for listening. That is all the time we have for today, people. Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow if you couldn't get through this week or there will be new issues coming up. We just heard about that terrible discovery in Saskatchewan and that's all the time we had for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.